I'm breaking things up here already. Oh, man. Y'all doing good this morning? Man. Got runny nose and watery eyes already. I'm not even got a cold. Thanks, James. Well, how have you all been dealing with the with the series? Has it been good? Yeah, it's uh, it's opened my eyes up to a lot of things. I think as well with the other pastors and and where this came and it's really cool. Thank you. I'm not crying anymore, but I could use a Kleenex. It was really powerful when Pastor Darren told us several weeks ago that we were all going to talk, and we kind of sat down, and Josh and I, and C Dub and Rhett, and a handful of us all got together with pastors. And when he said that, I think there for a little bit, all of us kind of didn't know where to go, where to head, because the life of David is so large, the life of David is so huge, and what he had did for the kingdom of God, and how. His heart. Got another sticky one, James. <laughs> it's all right. Eating cough drops this morning to keep my throat dry, or keep my throat from getting dry, but the paper's sticking to the cough drop. That's all right. So listening to the heart of David, it's such a broad spectrum of his life, and one of the things that that sunk well within me, that Pastor Darren said that he wanted to go deeper into the life of David, dig deeper of what this man truly did and what he accomplished all by simply running and reaching the heart of God. You know, a lot of us have heard about David's, you know, killing Goliath or, or him running to the cave or, or doing some of those things, and those are, those are really common tales, and I know some of the, the previous speakers, communicators, had mentioned with, with, with David, a lot of this was leaning towards a men's message. Usually when you start hearing about David or you, you start hearing about stories, it's leaning towards the men. You know, how many, how many of you have, have been to a conference or a men's advance and, you know, inevitably a, a communicator or a speaker talks about David and then, you know what, you get, the, you get the pucker factor of the man and coming up there and you feel like you're just getting hit in the face and, and kind of feeling, feeling like, well, we need to be more David. We need to be David-like. We need to be tough. We need to be strong. We need to be reaching after God's heart. Well, guess what? We're all Davids. Amen. We're all called to find the heart of God, not just men. Yes. Are you hearing me? Yes. That's what this message was all about. Where's my Davids? Are we willing to be Davids? Are we reaching out to God? And like I said, this message was a little bit hard for me because it's just such a broad spectrum and I had to kind of narrow it down and find that vein of where God was, was calling me to, to bring to the table and, and what I had found that there was three phases of a heart condition. There's a soft heart, there's a hard heart, and then there's a godly heart. And David, at one point in time in his life, possessed all of those, much like we do. 
Much like we do. Sometimes we have a soft heart. We have a soft heart towards certain people or we have soft hearts towards certain topics or subjects or things that affect us emotionally, that our hearts are open and vulnerable to these soft spots. But what happens when that soft spot doesn't work out like you thought it was going to work out? What happens to your heart? It starts to get hardened. We start ignoring the things that God's trying to tell us, to speak to us at, to, to come towards Him. Our heart blocking. We're having a heart attack and we don't know how to fix it. Our hearts are get, got hardened and, and David possessed this through his life. So imagine this. David at a young boy had a soft heart. But at a young man, somebody comes up to him and says, guess what? It'd be like me going to go get a fifth grader in the back room, standing here before him, and I'm going to tell him, one day you're going to be king. Can you imagine that? One day you're going to be king. At a 12, 13-year-old boy, you're going to be king. I mean, if I was 12-year-old, I'd have laughed at him and said, you don't know what the heck you're talking about. There's no way. It's not possible. I'm not good enough. I'm too young. Can you imagine what was running through David's mind at that age, at any age? Could you imagine if someone come up to you at whatever your age is now and says, guess what, you're going to be king. I would be incomplete. I, w- I would not know what to think of myself. I'm not good enough. All these in- inefficiencies that tend to run through our minds, we start placing in our minds, but God has a different view of who all you all are, of all of us. He's got a different view. So right away, if we are called into a position or into a place that God is calling us into, I guess for me, I won't speak for you, but I guess for me, I start immediately gravitating to the reasons I can't instead of the reasons I can. Are we there? You can imagine what David, what, what was going through his mind. And then as he got older, what did his brothers do? They were all jealous and started picking on him. You're the youngest. You're inefficient. You're not good enough. They started speaking these words into David's mind. Right? And David was innocent. He, he did nothing but have a prophet come over the top of him and speak prophecy over him and said, you're going to be king. What did David do wrong? But his brothers started to get on David. He, they started speaking words of life into some of his situation without David even knowing it. I guess it wasn't life, but they were speaking words that were coming to light. Can you imagine that? Your entire family just turns on you and somebody else told you something. At 12 years old, all his older brothers, you're not good enough. You're just a sheep herder. Go clean up sheep do. That's all you're worth. Nothing more. You're never going to be king. You're never going to get that. You're never going to experience what God's called you because you're too young. And see, back then, the oldest got the privilege, not the young one. But God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Amen? Amen? God said, you're going to be king. You're going to be king. And that's that. See, all of us have a calling in our lives. We all have a calling on our hearts. 
We all have a gift and a calling in our lives. Whether you know it or not, you may not have found it yet. But you all have a calling. I promise you. The book says it, not me. Amen? But see, one of the things that I've experienced and others have experienced at times, see, when a prophet or someone speaks words over you, it doesn't necessarily need to be a prophet, right? We can all be prophets. If we're listening to the Holy Spirit and doing what He tells us, that's prophecy. Right? So when someone else gives you a calling or even if the Holy Spirit sends you a gift or sends you a direction or sends a a calling on your life, it's going to happen. But here's where we make most of us make some of the mistakes. Once those words are spoken, once those things start acquiring itself, we feel like something on the inside of us feels like we need at that point, we need to make it happen. Are you hearing me? As soon as something's spoke into my life, I feel like there's an obligation that, okay, now what do I got to do? Now I got to get it done. And Becky said it so well, how, how she just sat and be still. Her life was busy. She was running around. She was doing that. And what did she do? She stopped and listened to the Word of God to see what her next step and direction is. But yet we want to get a hold of it. Man, I'm going to be king all right, I need to get this, I need to get my armor bearers, I need to get James, I need to, I need to grab everybody I know, I need to start surrounding myself with this, I need to get the kingdom starting to get built, I need to start putting new tile and floors in this new castle that I'm going to have, I need to start doing this. Right? And all along, God's saying, whoa, 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 back up. Your horse is unhitched from the trailer here. From the wagon, I guess a horse. I guess a horse could be hitched to a trailer. <laughs> he'd he'd run for a little while and then he'd start dragging. But but do you hear what I'm saying? We all we we start grabbing a hold of it for ourselves. We start getting a hold of it for ourselves. And see, at the beginning, David was listening to God. His his heart was right. His heart at the beginning of his life was soft. It was pliable. He was listening to the word of God. What's my next step, God? Where do I go from here, God? But then what happened through his life? He starts to get a hardened heart. See, we start carrying those things. We start receiving those things. We start hearing things. And that's who we become. Not children of God. Are you with me? See... Hear me on this point here. Stay with me on this because it's going gonna, it's gonna to sound wrong and rough for just a little bit, but I'll, I'll finish it out so you can hear me. This, this isn't going to sound right at the beginning, but hang with me. See, friendships are not broken by gossip or arguments. Divorces don't just come from adultery or from someone who said, oh, I, I just fell out of love from you. Or you cheated on me. Those are all reasons, but hang with me. But they don't come. That's not the pure source of it. Relationships are not broken by family fights or arguments. Are you hearing me? It comes down to the hardness of your heart and listening to God. That's the source of what we go through. That's the source 
where we're supposed to get our answers from. We put ourselves in this situation. Heck, I'm not going to get... Look, look, at, look at how things are going right now in this world. Look at the things that are being said, that are trying to be implemented in our minds, that we, we just need to, to, to listen to all of this or to see all of that, what this person is saying about us, what this person needs to be saying, that, that we need to accept this, that we need to, to, make that, to, to say this is okay. And we begin to listen out here in the world, much like David had slowly begun to listen to what other people were saying about him. It starts affecting our own lives and our own behavior and our own thoughts. If somebody, think about, just think about the, the, the bullies at school with these kids. And believe me, that it's, it's still an issue. If a bully keeps coming to you day in and day out, every day after school, after school, you're this, you're that, you're this, you're that, you're this, you're that. I almost cussed right there, but I'm not going to. Can you imagine if you're being called a name day in and day out, eventually that's going to affect your mind thinking, well, maybe I am. Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I am inefficient. And we do that. I do this the same thing. I, I see the world. I, I listen to what people are saying out there and, and, the, and the direction that we're heading. And it builds up into my heart. I start getting angry. I start getting mad. I start hardening my heart. There's times and places that I... There's times and places, and I, I'll just say it. I'll be real with you. There's times and places that sometimes I don't even care about people. And that hurts. That bugs me. Because when I stand up here, I mean, this, this is the easy part. I told James in the back, you know, I had 10, 15 more minutes before church starts. And I said, man, let's just go. I want to go. It's the time sitting in there. It's the time waiting. It's the time thinking in my mind. Am I remembering this note? Am I thinking about this? Don't forget to say this. Don't do this. I'm doing it to myself just before I get up here to, to go preach. That's why I stand there in fervent prayer and in worship so I can get rid of myself. I've got to get rid of myself. I can't do this alone. There's no way. I flunked speech class. Well, almost. <laughs> almost. I couldn't stand it. Ask my wife. I'm still a little bit introverted. I have a hard time carrying on a conversation. That's why I let her do it all. <laughs> Amen? It's hard. I, can't, I couldn't do this on my own. I have to allow God to interfere into my own thoughts, in my own mind, and in my own heart to let Him do the work that He's provided to give me. I'm just trying to do what He tells me to do. I may not like it. How many of you have been in a position that you didn't like, but you knew God was telling you to do it? Amen? How many of us, I'll raise my hand on this, how many of us skipped what God told us to do because we didn't think we were efficient enough or comfortable enough to do it? That's almost all of us. Amen? That hurts. It does. It hurts. It may not at the time because, see, your heart's hardened at the time. 
But when you start coming back and God starts affecting your life, then you start recognizing and realizing, okay, now I'm starting to feel the effectiveness of God's heart. Of what he sees you to be. Of what he sees us to be. And the calling that he's given us to go do. Amen? Amen. So, so David's heart, I feel, this isn't in the Bible, but research and the studying that I did, he went through three, three phases of heart conditions. Soft, hardened, and then the heart of God. See, David, at a youthful age, he was playing a harp. He was playing worship music. He was playing for Saul, the man that later in life was trying to kill him. And what did David do? Instead of standing up, instead of disrespecting Saul and the fear of his life, David ran. David ran and hid in the cave. So instead of getting angry and mad and upset and saying, I'm going to kill you, Saul, David ran so he could seek the wisdom of God. God spoke to David in that cave. David didn't run because he was purely just afraid of Saul. David ran to get the wisdom of God of what to do next. Are you hearing me? See, David's heart was broken. David's heart was broken. Can you imagine that? And he's still young. So you got a bunch of brothers talking smack to you. Now you got a master that you've been serving so diligently, playing the harp, tending to the sheep, taking care of whatever Saul wanted him to do. And then out of jealousy, finds out that he's going to try to kill David. Could you imagine the disappointment and the heartache? Everybody, almost everybody at one point in David's life that has surrounded himself with this, got his heart broken by him. But yet he still I wanted to say seeked, but that isn't the right word. I'm going to be sought. There you go, sought. I didn't want to say seeked, and then everyone's going to think I'm from Oklahoma too. <laughs> I hope you're not listening, and it's not my fault. <laughs> he sought the heart of God. He sought the wisdom. See, that's what I can do. I just ask anybody out here, you can help me through my message. David's heart was completely broken for a time. And then after a while, what did David? He did begin to start listening to people. David began to thinking, is there some truth in what people are saying and doing towards me? Right? And I'm not going to get into the details, but look at the sin that David created for himself when his heart got hardened and he quit seeking the wisdom of God. Cheating on his wife. Killing her husband. Amen? As soon as he started believing the things that he was hearing and seeing the circumstances that were surrounding him here on earth, sin crept in. Now, David, I'm sure at a younger age, it's just not in the Bible, I'm sure he was still at some point sinned at that time, but he was still searching for the love and the wisdom of God. But then he fell away and turned away from it, and then look at how quickly that door opened for the sin and the enemy to sneak in and get us. David didn't want to do that. 
And all the, almost all the Psalms were written by him. You could see, if you go read all those, you can see the diligence. You can see the love and the condition of, God's, of, of David's heart towards God. David's heart was broken over and over and over and began to listen to the world and not what God had for him. So this question popped up into my head after reading some of this and seeing his life. How did David ever become a man of God again? How did he do that? Would David ever listen and hear from God speak again? Yes. Yes, he did. Obviously he did, or I wouldn't be standing up here talking about him. Yes, because God never stops talking to us. Are you hearing me? Man, I need a few more things up here. God never stops talking to us. I'm kidding. Thank you. I'm going to need a bigger stand here in a minute. That's the difference from having a hardened heart, in my opinion. This is the transition that David went through. God never stops talking to us. He never stops loving us. See, God's heart never gets hardened. Ours do. God's always pursuing us. He sends a helper. He sends a comforter. He's given us every reason to continue to press through, to push forward, to get rid of that hardened heart. And once David began to understand, here's the transition from a hardened heart how many of you know that God himself said David was a man after his own heart? It doesn't say David was a hardened heart that was searching for God. That's the transition that we all go through at times. That we run through, that we, that we have to strive through. Our, I want to be called a man after God's own heart. Not a man that has a hardened heart trying to still find God. David found that, and it was out of repentance, fervent prayer, listening to what God said. God gave him all the ability to write his true heart down in all of Psalms, most of all of Psalms. You can see it, how he overcame the things of the world. I'm not even on my notes now. Let's, here we go. How David overcame a hardened heart to a heart that God chose for him was purely nothing more than beginning to look into the heaven, to listen to what God was saying, to see where heaven comes down to earth. Kirstie just sung it. I love that song. It's possible to have heaven here on earth. That's where we need to focus on. That's where we need to get the clutter of CNN out of our minds. That's where we need to get the clutter of the news channels out of our minds. That's where we need to get the clutter of other people speaking ill will about you. Whatever you're thinking, your circumstances, you're not this, you're not good enough. That's where you get rid of it, you give it to heaven, and you let God come down and implode into your heart. Amen. That's your resource and your answers. Amen. And that's what David did. So it is possible, no matter where we're at, no matter where we're at with our circumstances, it doesn't matter what things are going. Sometimes it looks like a big, you know what, storm. But it's nothing that God can't handle. 
Sometimes we got to go through the storm to get to the other side. Amen? Amen? That's the pursuing of God. That's the helper that he sends. That's the person that, that drives us, that listens. And, and David, at a, at a later age, realized that was the key to the whole fa- thing. Getting down on his knees, repenting of his sins, turning away from it. Repent means to take a 180. It's not simply just an apology. I say sorry to God about every 15 seconds. But true repentance means to walk away, to turn your back from, not to look back. An apology is accepted if you're really truly meaning it from your heart. I apologize to my wife several times too. And I truly mean that, so she accepts that apology. But true repentance turns you away completely from what caused you to get you in the place that you're in now. See, David could have easily hidden that, and he did try to hide. He could have hidden his adultery. He could have hidden the murder. But until he realized what he had done and truly repented to God about it, it was still a portion and a part of his life and the reactions that he carried and his thoughts that he carried in his head. David's heart began to soften and allowed God's voice to start speaking to him. Go over to Psalms 32, verse 4 real quick. I don't have a lot of scripture this week. But I think the ones we do have, that's where, that's where we need to go. Did I tell you verse 4? Yep. Why am I on 38? lost my place. You're probably there quicker than I am. All right, here it is. Day and night, this is David, day and night your hand of discipline was heavy on me. Did you hear that? He recognized that God was trying to correct and to fix and to give him the words and give him the direction that he needed to be. There's discipline. There's outcomes or or consequences to our our decisions. Our, our, Our outcomes are through discipline. David recognized that God was trying to discipline him in that way, but not to turn his back towards him. He was trying to strengthen him. Listen to this next verse. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Amen, end of story, period, done. That's the power and the strength and the faith that David carried. How many of us say that, recognize that, want to feel that, but then we go back in the middle of the week when we're back at work and then we start questioning ourselves again? Is that true? Is that real? Is this what that is? See, David ended that sentence. He's done. My guilt is gone. If you have repented, recognized your sin, understood the discipline of what God has given you, your guiltless no more you are guiltless no more amen Amen. guilt-free end of story now 
we got to start listening to the Word of God. Amen? I've hit this four times away because I'm going to knock it over. <laughs> I talk with my hands. Right? I can't afford to buy one either. Brett will have to buy it. How good is that? How good is God to sit there and to know that that's all you have to do? That's all you have to do. And it sounds simple, right? But how many, once you do it, trust it? That doesn't mean that your sin's done, because we're all sinners, amen? But if we truly understand the love and the pursuit of God in our hearts and how He thinks of us. See, God wasn't disciplining David to run him off, to run him away. He was disciplining David so he would come back in two. We hearing that? Just like disciplining our kids. You could spank your kid six days out of the week, and on the seventh day, he'll come right back into your loving arms. Amen? Amen? That's how God is with us. I don't know any very many kids I want to... Well, maybe I do. <laughs> I'm teasing. <laughs> but that's an unconditional love. Those kids recognize their mother and father. They may not understand why they're in trouble. They may not understand the discipline that came at that point in time. But once they grow older, they'll understand it. The same thing with us. We may not understand what God's trying to do in our lives or tell us what to do or to discipline us right now. But if we'll listen and be obedient, He's got a plan for us. The guilt is gone. See, David began to listen to God's words more and more. He began to listen, and it wasn't, it, this didn't get easier on him, but he began to listen through the pain he was going through. He began to listen to God's word through the suffering that he was enduring. He was even listening to God, even in the act of him sinning. Are you hearing me? See, I know a part of my life, and some of you have heard this before, but there was a great gap in the part of my life in my relationship with God. My heart was hardened for a lot of years. And God was always trying to talk to me, always trying to tell me something, always trying to, to, to pursue me in the direction that He wanted to go, but I refused to listen. I refused to not hear what, what the Word of God was trying to tell me. David understood the great love of God. And God himself, and think about this for a minute. I've already said this, but you settle this within yourself. Think about God face to face when you meet him one day. And he looks at you and says, you have a heart of God. You are a man after my own heart. You are a woman after my own heart. Can you imagine that? How much more could a person want? To know that you've pleased your father. Just like our kids. How much do they want to please? They don't want to get in trouble. They want to please their parents. They want to do good things. Sometimes that doesn't happen. They wanted to please God. And it says it again in all the Psalms. He wanted to please God. And David began to listen through his words of what God was telling him to do. 
so he could have a heart of God and not a hard heart. Amen? So I'm going to transition here just in a little bit here. I'm going to, I'm going to play some audio for you. Our, our video didn't get, it was, a, it was a bad quality video, so we couldn't get it up here on the bigger TVs. It was going to be blurry and rough. But the words, the audio is in it, and that's, that's basically the most meaningful portion of it anyway. I wanted you to hear the words of what this man was spoken in about. It's very, very powerful. So it kind of hit Tracy and I two or three weeks ago. I've listened to it probably four times now. And it really hit home for her and I because my son uh, here in this last year had been studying to get his pilot's license. And here this last week, was it last week? Last week, he got his certificate to fly solo. So he is now flying an airplane solo. He can't take any of us yet. But one day he will. He's got to get his hours in flying solo and pass another test, and then he can go. But I got to thinking, after listening to this video, I'm, hear me when I'm saying this. I'm, I'm not bragging on just my son because I do know other pilots. There's other, actually two other people in this church that had gotten their pilot's license that I know of. But that's not for everybody. Amen? You don't just wake up one day and go, man, I, I'm going to go fly an airplane. I, I, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm still sitting there praying to God that I can get in with my own son because I know his attitude sometimes. <laughs> Watch this, Dad. And if you know him, there's some in here that know him that he would do that. But I, but I started to think how just the, not anxiety or the stress, but how he overcame some of the unknowns about his qualities or himself, am I able to do this? Am I capable of doing this? My son has got my wife's personality. They'll try to take on anything, and they don't care if they fail. That's fair, right? I'm not that way. I want to know what I'm getting myself into, so I try not to fail. But he, he just took it on head on. He thought he was going to do this. And he accomplished it. And just the thoughts that he told me, now I got this stuck in my teeth, James. Gosh darn it. I'm a mess. Okay, I got it out. Maybe. Now I lost all train of thought here. So just the, just the condition of his thoughts of going, am I capable of doing this? Can I, can I get this done doing some of these things? And I know he'd been praying about it. I guarantee you he'd been praying about it. I, he, I think he probably prayed about it before he even took on the challenge. But he had mentioned to me, now I don't remember where I was at. He mentioned to me that he wasn't sure unless the instructor was with him that day when he got his solo, solo certificate. He said, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to do it by myself. But the first thing we did as the instructor went up with him the first time to go fly around. So all he had to do was listen to what the instructor was telling him to exactly do. Then they went and landed. And then the guy said, okay, you're on your own, go. So if it weren't for the instructor 
telling Brandon what he needed to do before he flew on his own. Unless Brandon was not listening to the instructor, he wasn't sure he had the confidence to do it yet. But once that instructor told him what to do and the instructor had the confidence in him to do it, he was fine. Took off, flew around, landed it, perfect. So listen to this audio. This is a little bit obviously pertaining to flying. And this is a situation that I pray and hope to God that this will never be a situation that any of us got to go through and my son. So if you want to play that audio, go ahead and play it. I was in Alaska doing a lawsuit. We're way out in the Aleutian Islands, getting ready to leave and go back to Anchorage and then home. And I had a ticket in my pocket to get on an airplane. The pastor came up and he said, listen, I can save you money. I said, how's that? He said, I flew a small airplane up here and I fly a small airplane and I can take you in my little airplane and you can save your ticket. And this did not sound, I said, gee, thank you so very, very much. But I've got this ticket. We'll just make our way on home, me and this other lawyer with me. He said, no, 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 you got to do it. you got to do it. And against every better judgment I had, I said, okay. Well, we went out to the airport, took us by his little plane, and I looked at it. And I thought, well, one good thing, it's shiny. Then he walked around it. We got in. He's on the left front. I'm on the right front. The other lawyer's sitting right behind me. And he started it up, and it started up just fine. Well, we taxied out. I said, should we pray? He said, yeah, that's a good idea. We normally don't. I said, well, this time we're going <laughs> to. And I'm telling you, I prayed five, eight minutes. I prayed a long time. We went and got on the runway. He starts down the runway. The plane lifted off ever so gently, and we start climbing. And it's wonderful. Not a problem in the world. We started climbing, and we flew probably three, four minutes. And something happened that will never leave my mind. The pilot turned to me and he said, we're going in the clouds and I can't fly in clouds. They make me pass out. I said, clouds make you do what? <laughs> now, it's been cloudy all day. And we go right up into the clouds and you can't see anything. And he looks at me and his eyes roll back in his head. And he starts mumbling and he passes out, passed out cold. Now I grabbed him and I shook him and I said, come on, you gotta wake up so I can kill you. Now we're in the clouds flying along with no pilot. And my friend in the back seat said, we're dead, aren't we? I said, there's a very good chance of that, yes. He said, what are we gonna do? I said, I don't know. But there was a radio right there and I handed him the microphone and I said, start asking for help. So he's in the back seat reaching up and he said, hello, hello. We didn't know any proper radio etiquette. All we were saying was hello. And somebody answered back, hello, hello, don't you guys know proper radio etiquette? And I said, give it to me. I said, tell we don't know nothing. Tell them we're in an airplane with a passed out pilot and we don't know how to fly this plane. The guy said, I'm a freighter flying out of Anchorage on the way to Tokyo. And he said, you're telling me you have nobody who can fly that plane with you? I said, tell them that's correct. Now you got to understand, I am sweating bullets. He said, the first thing I'm going to do is start circling so I don't lose you because I'll fly out of range of your radio and you won't have me anymore. And he said, I'm going to get Anchorage Emergency for you. And Anchorage Emergency will be the people that can maybe help you try to save your life. After about five minutes, Anchorage came on, said, we understand you have a passed out pilot. And those of you do not know how to fly that plane. We said, that's right. 
They said, well, the first thing we got to do is find you. And I'll never forget what this man at Anchorage said. He said, my job is to get you home safe. He said, that's my job. But he said, here's the deal. If you want me to get you home safe, you got to promise me you'll obey my voice. He said, you can't see me, but I can see you. And he said, if you're not going to obey my voice, you're going to die. When you can't see anything, you have no idea how disorientated you become. Finally, he said, okay, I found you. Now, hear me clear. He said, you're four minutes from a mountain. He said, you're going to crash in that mountain and die. Follow my voice. I never said, I have to follow your voice. Is that reasonable? You see, I understood without his voice, I had nothing. And do you understand? Without God's voice, you have nothing. Nothing. Finally, he got us turned. And he said, I'm freezing all the traffic in the area. He said, it's going to take me an hour and a half to get you to Anchorage. And there's a lot of weather between you and Anchorage. You're in for a rough ride. And he said, I want you to hear me. I don't want you to look at what's going on outside. I don't want you to pay attention to the storm, just my voice. He said, if you start watching the storm, you will die. But I'll take you through it. Now, because they cleared all the traffic, several pilots, those nighttime freighters, those 747s started talking to us. They said, we're praying for you, men. You're going to make it. But listen to the voice. That's the key. They said, trust the voice. You realize your head is full of voices. And everybody in this world wants to talk to you. And everybody wants to be the controlling voice. And God says, I want you to be a living sacrifice. I want you to put yourself on the altar and let my voice be your voice. Finally, we went through the worst of the weather, but there was still more. And then the voice came back and it said, now, I'm going to line you up. He said, I'm going to bring you in right down the runway. And at the foot of the runway are some lights, and they're in the form of a cross. He said, don't you forget this. The cross is the way home. Finally, he's bringing us down. We still can't see anything. And all he kept saying is, stay with me. My sheep, the Bible says, hear my voice, and they follow me. Finally, just a couple hundred feet off the ground, we saw the cross. I landed the plane. In fact, I landed it seven times. <laughs> Finally, it all came to a stop, and the minute we stopped, the pilot woke up. The voice said, thanks for listening. I watch them crash and burn all the time because they won't follow my voice. They don't understand I'm the one who can see them even when they can't see me. But they get the voices in their head, and they kill themselves. They self-destruct. Thanks for listening to the voice. Then they put us in a motel room at about 4 in the morning. Knock at my door. And I opened the door, and a man was standing there. He said, hello, David. I said, you're the voice. You're the one who got me home. He said, I am. You understand one day you're going to stand before him and say you were the voice you're the voice that brought me home if you're not on that altar as a living sacrifice your head's full of voices and then we wonder why kids crash and burn
we wonder why marriages are shattered. And the Lord's saying, I'm the one who has the voice. All I can remember is that voice saying, stay with me. Stay with me. Don't listen to what's going on in your head and don't watch the storm. Stay with me. And I'll take you through. Tonight you have a God who has promised to take you through. A living sacrifice, holy. Amen. Amen. I probably could have just played that video and then called it a day. (laughs) What are we really listening to? Having the heart of David is listening to the voice of God. The biggest part for me is catching everything, and I, I briefly talked about it. So often we focus our attention on the storm that's directly in front of us. It's going to take a little bit, but one of the things that my my son wants to do, he spoke about it a little bit, at some point in time, you're going to have to fly through the clouds. And you can't see. You have to rely on the instruments that have been given you to get you through the storm. You all have been given instruments. Are we using them? Are we listening to His voice? See, we've got the instruments. We've got the tools. God set us up to do those things. But are we listening to His voice to learn how to use them? I want to take a moment right now. I want you to just sit here for a minute. you all to just ask God for his voice because I've heard people say before well I pray but I really haven't heard anything I really haven't felt anything is he he listening I I haven't heard anything the only way you can hear his voice is if you're willing to listen so I want you to just take a minute close your eyes just ask God to speak to you. Say, I want to hear your voice. Father, just come today. Father, let us hear your voice. Help us weather the storms that are in our lives. That the storms in our lives are just nothing but a brief moment in time. your voice lasts forever (laughs) help them to understand who you are father most importantly father help them to understand who you see they are the only way to activate our gifts and the callings in our lives is by listening to your word and hearing your voice. You've given us the greatest tool of all, Father, to get through our life, 
that is your holy word in this Bible. So, Father, I just pray that you would come. Stir the fire in them. Let them understand that there's a comforter and a helper. That's the Holy Spirit that dwells on the inside of us. We listen to the voice of a comforter and a helper and the storm will be conquered. So Father, I ask no matter where anyone's at right now, no matter what they're going through right now, Father, it might seem hopeless for some. got a voice on the inside of them that will tell them what to do and to get through their lives. That is nothing but a brief moment in time. There might be some discipline that you're trying to show us, but the end result, Father, is standing face to face with you and us hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. So, Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the blessings you've given us. Father, we thank you for the gifts that dwell on the inside of us. Father, again, I thank you for stirring that up. Thank you for sending a helper and a comforter in our lives. That you love us that much, that you would do so. We thank you and we praise you. And it's by the obedience and the blood of Jesus Christ that makes it all possible. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.